Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 364 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 364. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week are obviously, as always, very centric to a central theme of technique, which we'll discuss shortly thereafter. Um, The first tool I'd like to talk to is actually a functioning tool that I have used given the circumstances surrounding what's happening in the world of analytics these days with Google. And we'll talk obviously in much more depth when it comes to our technique discussion. But the tool is called tagmate.app. Tagmate.app is an application that will allow you to primarily, it does other things, primarily transition your universal analytics, your Google UA account, Google Analytics account that's currently in operation from the basic Urchin account from way back when, and migrate it over to GA4 or Google Analytics 4. It does this relatively seamlessly. I mean, you can do this on Google as well where you simply create a GA4 account that begins to run in parallel to your Google Universal Analytics account. And then you have to go into your GA4 account and begin to identify beyond the template uh, uh, tagging, the tagging that you'd like to adopt from your Universal Analytics of what hasn't been done by GA4's auto integration. This platform actually is a wonderful UI interface that allows you to make the migration over from Universal Analytics, and then it will modify and look at what you're currently tracking Universal Analytics and identify them properly in GA4, so it helps you make the changes a little bit more seamlessly. Uh, it does lots of other things. It does, uh, you know, it'll implement Google Analytics for tracking from a clean slate, if you'd like. Uh, it creates different marketing templates based on your business, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you haven't already created good tag management for it. And then, of course, it does a tracker for your tags as well to ensure that they're functioning correctly or intended for what they're doing. So our first tool is a big one, and it is tagmate.app, T-A-G-M-A-T-E dot A-P-P. Our second tool, it's very similar to the discussion of what we're dealing with, is called app.narrative.bi. Now, app.narrative.bi is a interpretation analytics business intelligence tool, hence the BI in its name. The business intelligence tool isn't so much about creating the GA4 account for you. It's about understanding the data that is generated from the analytics associated with the GA4 account. Uh, you connect it to your GA4 account, and from it, it'll begin to create what it calls AI interpretation. Mm, yeah, okay, it does learn. It's not the fear, fear you're sentient. Uh, we can understand things and educate it. it. It is a programmable function that it does. It creates correlations. If you've ever worked with Tableau or other platforms like that, you create, say, take this data, compare it to this data, and tell me what correlations exist at what confidence of success and it gives you numbers in relationship to this well this creates a nice user interface that you can ask it a kind of a 
question and it will go and look for data that's related to your question and give some sort of answer from the data that it finds. Uh, and it does this in conclusion with your GA4. So it's an interesting way to use interpretive data as a platform. And that tool is called app.narrative.bi. And our third tool is one we've reviewed before uh, and, and use it. it, it really, the way we've talked about it before is because it's connectivity to Google's big query. And that lends itself to a little bit more discussion we'll talk about in the technique. But it's owox.com, O-W-O-X.com. Now, owox is very cool for a lot of reasons. But the biggest one that I'd like to point out is its interpretive value of data. Uh, and its sourcing of data, its ability to aggregate multiple data sources and create correlations, not just from your data from your website, which is what the GA4 would be producing, but also to have what's called implied metrics as to other data sources and how they may relate to the data that it's pulling from your GA4 tracking. Um, when you talk about GA4, you're talking about a transition of several things. Uh, for anybody that's had to track traffic, there has been a very big gap between Google Analytics' ability to travel, track uh, apps and integrations with apps and functionalities of platforms compared to website traffic. OWOX is one of those platforms that is talking about how it will use that new GA4 ability to do both in an interpretive way for business intelligence. We'll get a little bit more into the, the technique discussion of adaptability and usages for OWOX, but OWOX is a business intelligence tool that uses variant data sources to create an aggregate interpretation of data for business decisions. Very powerful tool, really powerful tool, actually. So that is OWOX, O-W-O-X dot com. So our three tools for today, which you'll see quickly while we're bringing them up for our technique discussion, is tagmate.app, which will help you migrate from Google Analytics, Universal Analytics, to the new GA4 platform. Uh, narrative.bi or app.narrative.bi, which will have business intelligence interpretation tools of GA4 data raw and give correlations as to value propositions of data that your website is pulling with the new GA4. And then a more enhanced, more robust multi-data uh, platform called OWOX, O-W-O-X.com, which allows more interpretive, larger scale business intelligence data based on a variety of data sources. So those are our three tools for review this week, which brings us to our technique of the week. Now for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week is, if you haven't figured it out, obviously now, Google Analytics, the transformation to GA4. Um, for those that may be under a rock or not into the space and now are worried about it because questions are coming up, Google has made a fundamental decision um, rather abruptly in the world of how things happen or the impact of what this is actually doing is it's telling everybody in the world that uses Google Analytics, Universal Analytics in particular, um, that as of July next year, 2023, it will stop supporting Google Universal Analytics. And as of October of 2023, it'll stop its Google 360 Universal Analytics support as well. A lot of people don't know what that means. So we're going to break down a little bit of what that means first. For those who have been a little long in the tooth and long in the industry, in the world of SEO and analytics and so forth, there was uh, this burgeoning use of, mean, of metrics with websites. When websites first came out, it was about just being in a presence on a computer that people could look at via a modem and see you had a website. There was no real 
data about what they were doing when they're at your website. How many people looked at your website? What did they do in your website? Um, there was some um, hosting support systems out there that would tell you that you had X visitors. So strangely enough, uh, one of the first measurement tools that was ever introduced was a hit counter. It'd be actually like a little odometer uh, marker on the bottom of a website that would scroll and roll as the number of people came to your website and keep track of them historically. That was about the extent of metrics. Uh, then some of the hosting services began uh, tracking things like bounces or people that came and left, you know, bounce rate, coming left, uh, duration on pages, number of pages. They started providing rudimentary metrics. Um, Google got involved with this and started creating some measurability based on what they're providing from their search platform or what we now call a SERP, search engine result pages. Um, and they, you know, they had a accuracy rank or page value rank or authority rank. Uh, things that give you some indication as to uh, legitimizing the results that they were offering. Uh, but there was a platform out there that was doing more metrics and they started asking, uh, showing that they could track geographies because of IP addresses and forth. And that was called Urchin. Urchin got very quickly adopted and started being used a lot. So much so that they got the attention of Google and Google swallowed them up and took Urchin, UA, Universal Analytics, or the U-code for Google, and used it as Google's code. Uh, so Urchin, Universal Analytics, was the base core of what Google Analytics became. Now, it was based on older technology and older metrics, and it has been an amazing transformation over the years as to its flexibility, adaptability, means of resourcing, all to the credit of Google. Google gave this away to everyone. So before Google bought Urchin, it was you had to pay for stuff. You had to pay for Urchin. You had to pay for anything that was trying to give you analytics. You had to pay for your hosting company to give you any sort of numbers. Very little was offered for free. Google made the price model, uh, smartly so, because it gave them a tremendous amount of data that literally created the company, that their analytics was free. So everybody plugged it into their websites because it was free. It also allowed Google to gather all this information from everybody's websites, which has made them the omnipotent power that they are. Um, from that, it has reached several different limitations. As mentioned earlier when we're going through the tools, as other versions of technology have come up like applications and so forth, that's not a web-based function, but traffic and engagement, usabilities, measurabilities have turned into a very large component of the value proposition of taking those metrics and tracking what those are. Um, there are the platforms that do measure those kinds of tracking uh, for um, uh, app usage and so forth, like Google has one's called Firebase. And Firebase was a way of tracking activity within their Google Apps profiles. So Urchin gathered that disparagingly as an outside third party, but pretty much it was classic analytics, universal analytics, and Firebase was kind of connected to universal analytics like it is right now. Google Analytics 4, their new edition of their analytics platform, is a built-for-use platform to address current technologies in which Information from platforms like Firebase, which handle application metrics, is automatically ingrained into Google Analytics. There's also a lot of things, other things that are being added into Google Analytics for good or for bad, we're just flat out putting them out in a neutral zone, that used to be expensive. 
For instance, there's a platform with Google called BigQuery. This is a lot of the data that they aggregate for their enormity of connectivity to websites around the world globally. They have a very broad sense of resources of data that are used within their systems to correlate trends and comparisons. Well, the only way you usually got into BigQuery was you had to pay for it or it had to be a part of if you bought a very expensive relationship with Google, which is Google 360. Um, also, most people don't realize that Google Analytics had what was called sample data. Not every piece of data was actually stored for you. It was reviewed and a sampling of the data, statistically relevant sample of the data, was taken to give you your results and your analytics reports. The only time you could get the whole lump sum of data is if you paid a lot of money to Google for Google 360. Well, in GA4, these pieces have become integrated into the program. You have big query data connectivity in the analytics interpretation that GA4 is going to be providing you. You have a full spectrum of data with the caveat of it only being kept for 14 months, another thing to know, okay for your data analytics and what it has done is instead of just giving you raw data for you to interpret ga4 is striving to in intelligently with their software okay um, interpret the data for you to give you insights based on what they feel is your most usable actionable data points uh, doesn't mean they're always going to be right but they will get better as time goes on and more people obviously get into the platform and functions begin to improve because of just sheer volume of usage. So they're trying to make it where it can be as useful to you as possible to getting insights and understanding. Problem is uh, you have to sacrifice your own ability to look at the data or use it for other means in the sense of maybe you're making your own extractions and your own comparisons for your own questions that aren't being offered up by a standard GA4 account. So right now, the first thing you have to do is get a GA4 account started for your website. It runs in parallel to your universal analytics. It doesn't stop your universal analytics as soon as you get a GA4 account started. It runs in parallel. That way you begin to accumulate data starting now. So by next July, that will be 11th month from now because we're in the end of our July. So it'll be a full 11th month in that you'll have data that's already feeding your Google Analytics 4. So the accuracy of the value of that platform will be there. It will also, of course, make sure that all the data that your universal analytics is gathering is in that function process as well. Just as of July next year, your universal analytics and all the things that keep it uh, down the center of the road with the white line are going to shut off. So now all of a sudden your steering can go off and all of a sudden you start getting erroneous data because the system isn't being maintained for clarity and accuracy. So that's where that big cliff is coming up on come July of next year. So with the tools that we talked about today, more specifically TagMate first, is this gets the wheels in motion for you. It creates a platform that will get you a BGA4 created. And it's not that you can't create one yourself. And if you're comfortable in the Google Analytics space, it's really quite simple. 10 seconds and you can get a GA4 account created. It will automatically put what is considered base 
tracking in GA4 for you. May not be directly applicable to the type of business your website represents. It may not be specific to data that you want, but it'll send up standard flags of kind of like generic, everybody wants to know page count. Everybody wants to know bounce rate. Everybody wants to know pattern of engagement. Those certain basic things get put in, but as you have your own individual business, hospitality in particular for us, there are certain other metrics you want to maintain, your connectivity to your booking engine, your conversion value from that connection, from the traffic that comes from your website, on and on. So those are going to require creations of triggers. Now, we're in the world of analytics, you decide the data you want to track, and then the measurement of that tracking goes into your reporting. In Google Analytics 4, the data is there and being tracked because it's kept, and you have to decide what data you want out of it. So it's kind of an inversion to the process. So it's not as if you're making tags to correlate the data. You're de de determining which data creates the tags. It sounds, if you're not familiar with the way I'm saying it, a little like, what's the difference? The difference is the, uh, the, the, the semantics of how you create the question. Do you create the question with the answer already in mind? Or do you create a question wanting to know an answer? Um, and again, it's probably clear as mud, but that's how you have to approach this, this transition from universal analytics to GA4. It's a good time to do it now because you're going to have to start seeing how you've seen data historically with your universal analytics and how that data is represented or needs to be represented in Google Analytics 4. That's where the other tools I mentioned about Narrative BI or OWOCs come into play because OWOCs and I'll use this as a prime example, because they're already current familiarity with BigQuery, we'll be looking better at taking your GA4 data and making more accurate interpretations of that data with its already connected capabilities within Google BigQuery as to aggregate data outside of that of which your website is producing. It'll have a more balanced interpretation of your data compared to the other tool, which is very A-specific to your GA4 analytics, which is Narrative BI, which will use very good narrative data about what you're coming from your website, but based solely on its data. So to give you a sense of it from an analogy, if you always lived in North, uh, the North Pole, your world always has the construct that there's always snow. Where obviously not being in North America and being in some place like Florida or the uh, continental United States, you know the uh, snow is seasonal. That kind of microcosmic data ref uh, referencing is kind of the difference between using all sources data like BigQuery and outside resources that OWACs would do comparatively to just looking at what your website produces in data and having narrative value. That doesn't take away from nar what Narrative BI does because you need that very concise interpretation of just your data to make action and decisions. It's just helpful in a broader business perspective that you have other comparative data sets that OWACs would be able to generate in your narrative report. It is looking different. It's the difference between driving uh, a, a cart and a horse to get around versus driving a motorized vehicle to get around. So the contrast between what you're doing in, in the sense of data interpretation is high. So you have to get used to it. It's going to take time to get used to the data changes. So that is our technique of the week uh, with the tool that we mentioned to it is Google Analytics, the transformation to GA4. And that brings us to our news and show review. 
Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So our topic today, we finally got to get to it because we had the wonderful interruption of Edward St. Ange last week where we were able to talk a lot about what Flip2's new business models are and its impact on our industry and the change in booking funnels and so forth. We were going to talk about getting ready for budget season 2023. We were able to bring that conclusion of conversation today. We were able to get into where we are at the end of July as to what usually rolls into at the beginning of August, the transition of what happens in this aggregation of data that is accumulating now between three basic factions of operations, marketing, and revenue, and how each begin to tackle the project of aggregating historical and current data and future project values. And then we talked about what happens after that in process where now that gets turned into decision-making and finalization, the interpretation, and then presentation. So we, we make jokes about us having a, a budget season, but the reality of it is it takes us three months. <laughs> August is aggregation, September is, is interpretation, and October is validation. Uh, and it takes that long to go through the process. We talked about it from several different perspectives, from the property speaking upwards about submitting their budgets, about how the different departments are representative and how that granularity of line items and how they interpret those and where does it start, where to start, how do you start, what each of the departments are doing in comparison to marketing and revenue and operations as to the source of their data, the value of their data and which data in particular gets used and moved, uh, the prioritization and progression of how you create budgets. It's, it was a great show. It was about 50 minutes long, so it's not a whole long show because it was very concise. But if you're not familiar with the whole budgeting process and the modalities of what it does, then it's an excellent opportunity for you to kind of get your mind into it. Because there are, given the, all the changes that have been going on in our industry, newer people doing new roles. And this might be their first budget season they're going to go into with the new role that they have. So it's a critical perspective of understanding the broader picture of how budget season works and what part they play in that process. So please, by all means, it is show number 364, similar to ours, this number. Uh, that is be able to be found on our Hospitality Channel TV. Also as a recast uh, on social media for Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, which we do uh, every Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. Sydney, Australian time, 11.30 a.m. Uh, London time, Wednesday. Uh, so for a little bit more convenient time zones. And of course, replays are always on hospitalitychannel.tv. Our news item today um, kind of goes with the theme, obviously, of what we're discussing with Google Analytics, our transformation to GA4. Well, part of this whole process that makes all of this more valuable or more important to all of us is that in this change of GA4, also comes the fact that there is a migration of cookie tracking. For those unfamiliar with the terminology of cookies, those are the residual codes that are left on websites to know that you as a user visited the website that allows me to track the metrics that I need to either retarget you, advertise to you, uh, help identify who you are so I can better continue to send information that you find, would hopefully find relevant because of having visited my site that figured you'd be interested in my content. That kind of cookie tracking is on the, the downed because as Apple uh, iOS 14 came out, it shut off by increasing privatization the ability to track what people using iOS 14 platforms for their iPhones, iPads, and also for uh, their Apple products. It refused to let the cookies function turn on. Uh, on a website, so the people marketing that were using those cookies to know if it would produce any traffic, and if so, from where, were darkened. They couldn't see anything. Now, that has been growing in trend for analytics. It's been one of the reasons why Facebook reported its first ever quarter-to-quarter -quarter 
revenue loss ever in the history of its company business. Uh, it's because they suffer from the fact that Apple is blocking how Facebook retargets its users when they go in and out of Facebook to anybody that's using iOS platform. So Google was on board with this about 18 months ago. They announced that they were going to be shutting off cookies by the end of last year. Uh, that it's, you know, boom. Only first party, which is people that actually have tracking by permission on the website, would get data. Ironically, as we discussed with Google Analytics, because it's a free program and everybody's put it on the website, they are considered an automatic first party. So they were automatically in there to always make sure that their ads worked because they were already a first party relationship with the website because they're the analytics tracking. Funny how that worked. Brilliant geniuses they were for 25 years ago figuring out that they were going to do this. So what has happened is Google has delayed what they call the demise of cookies. They were going to move, they did move it to this year. And then they said, no, we're going to wait until next year. Um, just too many problems, which everyone translates it to is it was going to cost Google too much money because if they blind other marketers from advertising and Google wasn't doing the advertising for them, then they would lose revenue. Their retargeting campaigns, their display campaigns, all the things that require cookies on websites that aren't, the origin of the one that's advertising, um, would lose a lot of revenue for Google. So rather than cut their nose off to spite their face, they said, we are delaying the demise of cookies, our ability to, or willingness to use cookies until 2024. So it kind of got pushed farther out, kicked the can down the road kind of thing. This allows for more to transition, obviously GA4 to transition. The uniqueness of GA4's first-person track abilities, uh, people getting familiar with using it in the integration of their Google Ads programs, how to make first-party tracking work with the permission of Google, uh, being the first-party track, or they just needed time, more runway, so that they could build a bigger plane is how it works out. So that's the big news that just happened this week, that dropped this week at Google. Uh, there's lots of, I put a link in for AdAge uh, on the show notes. Uh, there are several uh, platforms that announced this uh, as a general news release. So it's not as if this was the only place they didn't scoop the news. It's just one that I happened to grab out of the list of those that went over and indicated that uh, Google had delayed their cookies uh, demise until 2024. So there you have it. Remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora. The uh, uh, list goes on. 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa's, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask any of them to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and shazam, they'll start playing. And of course, no matter which one you may use, if you like the show, please smash that subscribe button and rate us. That helps others discover our content. And as by comment, it gives us feedback as to what you'd like to hear more about or have suggestions of and what you would like to maybe possibly participate in. And of course, I will answer each and every email to me, Lauren at HospitalityDigitalMarketing.com. I do that for the live show and for the podcast. Also, something that's rolling out new, which I hope you all enjoy and take advantage of, is I'm using a platform that I'll talk about next week, actually, that will give a link a QR code, a link, whichever way you want to look at it, that allows you uh, to answer some questions, questions of the week related to what we'll be talking about on the podcast on the live show that you can actually be quoted on the live show. So rather than having to say, oh, I want to be a, a co-speaker with you and organize the links and be there live and, and, and all of this, you could literally just 
pop open. There's a series of questions. You choose which one you'd like to answer. You hit the mic button, give permission to your microphone on your phone to use it, and you hear my answer or you see the, the written answer and just answer it in audio. Uh, we ask whether it's permission that we can quote you or just refer to you. You indicate whether you want to be identified or not. Uh, we, we, if you say, hey, you happy to play my quote? We'll put it on the show or the podcast that XYZ believes the following and we'll play your audio. And this is a chance to kind of get people to participate in our pod show with a podcast without necessarily, or live show, without necessarily having to coordinate a time schedule for a recording session and also, it's called asynchronistic recording, is uh, what this does, and also coordinate for you to be on the live show and figure out your schedule. This way we can do it whenever it's convenient to you. You might sit back and go, oh, I want to answer that question and just record yourself answering it, identify who you are, give us permission to use it and next thing you know you, you hear yourself on the next show so that's rolling out this week i hope you take advantage of it uh we'll point you towards the topic that we're going to come up for this week for discussion and uh, we look forward to everybody's feedback that comes from that so oh and of course if this is your first time hearing our podcast smash the subscribe button that you found on the platform that you found us on or go to any of the 38 other platforms and do the same thing there if you would like any which way the archives of this podcast and the live show are always in i love lucy reruns at the hospitality TV. Of course, please never remember forget our live show that we do every Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern U.S. time called This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. Um, that can be found, of course, on Facebook when we simulcast on multiple places on Facebook, multiple places on Twitter, multiple places on YouTube, one place on LinkedIn, and of course, most importantly, on our Hospitality Channel TV station that you can find on Roku. Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and Google TV. Just look for Hospitality Channel. The live show is always on the free side of that gateway, along with software and services, which are short videos about products and services related to hospitality. And then, of course, if you want to pay the $4.99, you can see a lot more content behind the paid gateway, similar to like Netflix kind of stuff. So in that way, we hope you join us on TV as well. With that, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you for the privilege of your time. And I look forward to talking to you all real soon. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 364 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, all right reserved copyright 2022.